This is Evan Schneider, and welcome to Let's Talk About, produced by the Pace Center for Civic Engagement at Princeton University. Let's Talk About began as a series of interviews that engaged Princeton University faculty and community partners at the intersection of their expertise and the coronavirus pandemic. In this special episode of Let's Talk About, I interview the 2020 winner of the Glickman Prize, Karina Aguilar-Guerrero. The Priscilla Glickman 92 Memorial Prize is awarded to a Princeton senior who has demonstrated independence and imagination in the area of community service, seeks knowledge and purposeful adventure in unfamiliar cultures, and maintains strong academic work. The prize commends the qualities of curiosity in the world and commitment to the betterment of the world by recognizing outstanding past contributions to community service. The prize is awarded to encourage the student recipient to explore new challenges in the future. During her time at Princeton, Karina chose to concentrate in Spanish and Portuguese, also earning a certificate in Latin American studies. Karina is committed to supporting first-generation lower-income students and advocating for the Latinx community. She has held leadership positions with the Scholars Institute Fellows Program, also known as SIFB, which supports first-generation lower-income students at Princeton, Homeworks Trenton, an after-school board program for high school girls in Trenton, New Jersey, and served as co-director of Princeton Students for Immigrant Empowerment, a student organization with the Pace Center for Civic Engagement. In addition, Karina led logistics planning and execution for IVG, a conference for first-generation lower-income students across the U.S. Both on and off campus, Karina is dedicated to enhancing access, mentoring underserved students, and building community. Hi, Karina. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for agreeing to, to do this interview. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Yeah, so, um, you know, I thought we'd start out by, you know, you're a senior now at Princeton, and um, I think people would love to hear, how did you come to Princeton as an undergrad? Yeah, so, uh, well, for me, college had always been kind of like the end goal. Uh, growing up, it was always something that my parents thought was really important, um, that they really encouraged me to do. And I really liked school. I loved reading. I liked learning. So it just kind of worked out <laughs> well. Uh, but once I got into high school, um, that's when I first started learning about what the process of getting into college actually looks like and what it requires. And uh, at the time, I was still undocumented. I didn't yet have DACA. And so I knew that that was going to throw in a couple of complications in the terms of applying and getting financial aid and getting accepted. And so from freshman year, I decided that I was just going to work really hard, um, try to get the best grades possible, study for the SATs, uh, get involved in, and do everything on campus that I could that, that fit with what I was interested in and the kind of things that I liked to do. Uh, because I just wanted to give myself the best chance that I could of, of, of being able to get into, into a good college. And by the time that senior year rolled around, I was very fortunate to be in a college access program uh, that helped us with like finding fee waivers for applying to, to schools that taught us about balanced college lists and, and all of knowledge that you don't necessarily have <laughs> intuitively. Uh, and so senior year, I spent most of my time just applying to all of the schools that I could think of and all the schools that I, that I found that, that I thought would be a good fit. Uh, and then senior spring, I started visiting different schools for the like pre, the preview equivalent of 
of what other schools have. And Princeton was actually the very last one that I, that I went to because that's at the end of April. But once I got to campus, I'd never been here before. Once I got to campus and, and got to meet the people and saw how beautiful it was and saw just how many opportunities were here, I, I knew that this was where I needed to be. The Glickman Prize um, really celebrates service. Um, that's one of the reasons why, you know, the Pace Center is the group on campus that, you know, kind of um, is responsible for finding a winner each year. And so I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your approach to service and, and what makes service meaningful to you in your life. It has a lot to do with just how I was raised and, and the values that my parents instilled in me. Um, I love God and I love people and I want people to do well and to be happy. And, you know, it's hard because you look around and there are just a lot of problems in the world and a lot of wrongs and a lot of injustices. And obviously no one person can change them all. But also I think it's like realizing that we don't have to. And so for me, it's kind of come down to just knowing that I can love the person in front of me and I can help my neighbor and I can use the skills that I have and share whatever knowledge I've gained. Um, that's something that I, I, I think is possible for, for anyone and everyone, not necessarily to have the burden of changing the whole world, but of taking the responsibility to make it a little bit better from wherever you are. So it's like the, the point is kind of making that human connection. Yes. Yes. I, w I would say so. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I, I think I've, I've definitely fallen into the trap of feeling just like really overwhelmed and like looking around and being like, there are so many things and I can't do something about all of them. Like I can't fix them all. And, and there are so many like systemic issues that are just have been around for, for centuries and, and the issues that are coming with like climate change. And there's just so many things. And I think what, what keeps me grounded is knowing like, okay, I may not be able to fix all of it, but I can help one person um, and making sure that I'm, I'm doing whatever I can to, to do that. Yeah, you mentioned um, your, you know, that you're a DACA student. And um, I also know that you have a, a lot of interest in education. Um, so I'm just curious, like if those two things are connected or, and also if that's, you know, a path that you envision yourself kind of taking in the future. Yes. So the short answer is yes, they are connected. I, I think I also grew up in a relatively like low income community. And so for a very long time, college was just kind of seen as the answer to a lot of the problems that we might have faced. And, and it was just kind of like education is a way out of poverty. And so that's one of the reasons that education was always so important to me. And then once I got to college, I, I started to learn about like all of the issues that people can face and even being able to access a good education and even being able to get that far and how it transcends the classroom and, and it can be impacted by so many things like the kind of resources that a school gets, the kind of um, resources that teachers have access to, whether students have access to meals and, and food, um, because if not, how can you expect them to care about what they're learning in their algebra class, like that kind of thing. And so I, I've still um, remained in that, like I've still kept that passion of, of education and wanting to help people who come from 
cities and communities that I like the cities and communities that I come from um, get there. But at the same time, I think I've expanded more to look at like all of the other issues that also impact students' opportunity to do that and, and how everything is so connected. And so I most of my experience has still been with education just because I think that was what was familiar to me and that was what I knew and and all of that. But I am interested in in going a little bit beyond that and also just looking at like issues like homelessness and other ways to approach poverty and, and policy work and that kind of thing. You know, you have a couple of different um, PICS internships. It's certainly reflective, those two organizations, of what we've just been talking about. I'm just wondering if you'd be willing to share a little bit about your experiences at both Eagle Rock, which is in um, Cal- uh, Colorado, and Be Safe, which is in Boston. Um, what, what was it like interning there? And how did you bring um, like some of the spirit that Priscilla Glickman was known for in terms of creativity and service to those spaces? Yes, so the first internship, yes, was at Eagle Rock, which is in Estes Park, Colorado. And that was, to this day, I think, still one of my favorite memories and and one of my favorite things that I've gotten to do being at Princeton, Um, just because as it it was a school, a non-traditional like boarding school. Um, And so I got to make so many cool, like personal connections with the students who were there. And hear their stories and, and learn about where they came from and what their dreams are for the future and kind of the, the obstacles that they'd face in just getting as far as, as being in high school and, and going there. Um, and I think that's when I first, when I came into Princeton, I thought I was going to do Woody Woo. I thought I was going to do policy work, um, probably educational policy. But then while I was at Eagle Rock, I realized how important the personal connections were to me and that like close relationship that I got to develop with the students, which is a lot harder to find, I think, um, in policy work. And so that's when I first decided, like, okay, I think I want to do something that's more, like, on the ground, like, more based on, like, one-on-one connections. Um, And I think there, in terms of, like, creativity, uh, I think it's interesting to think about creativity because, for me, a lot of the times, it's not necessarily intentional. It's just about, like, okay, there's a need here and there's no like one simple solution. So we just have to think about the box, think outside the box and try to find something that works. And so while I was at Eagle Rock, that kind of looked like um, talking to students and kind of hearing what their concerns were and the things that they felt unprepared for. And, And a lot of that came down to them thinking about college and feeling like they weren't ready and they didn't know the process or they hadn't yet taken the SAT. And so I walked around, kind of interviewed students, collected a bit of data, and just kind of figured out what they felt would be the most helpful for them. And so I ended up kind of setting up a makeshift like SAT prep session um, twice a week for for the remainder of my time there. Um, And then when I was at the St. Stephen's program in Boston doing, doing their Be Safe summer program, that I think just the nature of that internship really did push me to be to be creative because they gave me the freedom to develop my own curriculum teaching social sciences to students from first grade to eighth grade and so there I really just wanted the focus to be on students learning about important historical and also like modern day figures that were pursuing their interests that were making a change um, but also that looked like them this was a 
like primarily they were primarily students of color and so I wanted them to feel represented in the types of people that they were learning about so we learned about like Langston Hughes and Rachel Carson and like athletes who were also activists and artists who were also activists um, and that really pushed me to, to get creative because it was about it, it pushed me to have some difficult conversations with with kids who were maybe like nine ten years old but um, I, I I ended up using kind of like art and poetry and and just finding ways to connect self-expression with the things that we were learning about in order to be able to have these conversations um, and I, that was a really cool experience because we got to talk about things like race and, and immigration and um, you just really get to see them grow and you get to see kind of the impact of them seeing people who look like them um, do big things. So another major aspect of the ward is, um, you know, a high bar of academic achievement. And so just kind of interested, you know, I think one of the sort of things that is common among Princeton students is a high level of academic inquiry and a drive. And I just want you to talk a little bit about, you know, what drives you, um, what makes you curious and, and um, how do you approach your academic work? Yeah, so I've always been a hands-on learner in the sense that, yes, I love learning for the sake of learning, but what I, what I really care about is being conscious about like what I'm doing with the knowledge that I'm gaining um, and how I'm engaging with it. And, and very importantly, like how I'm sharing it. Uh, because I, I think at a place like Princeton especially, it can be fairly easy to get trapped in thinking about like theoretical frameworks and making everything a scholarly conversation when in reality, a lot of times we're talking about people's lives and, and, and their li lived experiences. Um, and so I never wanted to be just like an academic conversation. Um, and so my focus has never been just, I think, like on grades necessarily or, or the assignments that I turn in. Um, and I think a lot of that is because when I came into Princeton, I was very aware that there are plenty of people just as, and honestly, more deserving than me um, of being here. And they didn't get that opportunity, like they didn't get that chance. And, and then being here, like learning about all of the people who want to just go to college in general, who don't get to for a number of reasons and systemic issues and, and all of that. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that I didn't waste that opportunity. and that I didn't hoard the knowledge um, in, in a sense. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for things like CBLI and now process courses, because I think they really gave me that opportunity to, to take what I was learning in the class and not just keep it there, but, but go out into the community and, and engage in conversations that I wouldn't be able to have just on campus. Um, because I, I don't think that what we learn here is ever meant to just stay on campus. Uh, and so I think that's what's driven a lot of just like the academic work that I've done, I've always tried to remain um, faithful to, to what I find interesting, to what I am passionate about, and, and, and focus on, on learning about that and, and make sure that I'm finding some way of, of sharing that as well. For those who don't know, CBLI um, stood for Community-Based Learning Initiative and Process, um, which is now the new name of CBLI, stands for the Program for Community-Engaged community Scholarship. Um, can you just talk a little bit more about what that program is? I mean, it's, you know, it's a traditional sort of service learning courses, right? Um, but, you know, what, what was your experience like in those classes? Yes. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is the very first 
CBLI course that I took, which was my freshman year, um, and I was taking a political theory course because that was when I still thought that I was going to do Woody Woo. Um, but if you were doing it for CBLI, kind of like taking the CBLI track, um, one of the options that you had was instead of turning in one of the papers during the semester, you prepared this like mini lesson plan with a partner and you got to go into, we went into the IELTS organization in Trenton um, and kind of taught what we'd been learning about um, to a group of high school students and just had a conversation with them and got to hear what they thought and, and kind of like lead a mini precept with them. Uh, and so I ended up doing that instead of, instead of writing one of the papers and, and I worked with somebody else to, to take one of the lessons that we'd been learning about in the previous weeks and, and turn that into something that we could lead a discussion about. Uh, and so we went into IELTS and, and we talked to the students and honestly, I feel like I maybe left learning more than they had <laughs> um, because they had some really interesting perspectives to bring in. And then it was really cool for me because it was um, a different kind of conversation than the conversations that I'd been having in the precepts on campus. And so that was like a really cool experience um, because also like I, I felt like I learned it even better when I was trying to prepare a lesson plan about it than I would have if I had written another paper about it. So the kind of third uh, leg of, of criteria that we use to, to choose um, a Glickman winner each year is sort of adventure seeking, um, being, being willing to throw yourself into new cultures. You know, I know that um, you've had some restrictions in terms of where you can and can't go in the world because of your status. But, you know, I know that also um, coming into a place like Princeton is really um, challenging, you know, for, for folks who don't come from sort of, you know, um, upper middle class or upper class societies. And I, I, I could, I, I know that that's true for me too. I mean, I come from a low income household as well. And, you know, it's been, it's been often challenging at times to, to adjust to the culture at Princeton. So I'm just curious, you know, what was that like for you coming in? And, um, and then what are some other ways that you have sought adventure through um, travel and, and things like that? Yeah. Uh, so I used to move around a lot when I was a little kid. And so I think pretty early on, I learned not to be afraid of new experiences. And so I started seeing them as something to look forward to. Um, and so I think anytime that I enter a new space or a new culture, I, I keep that in mind. And I also, something that I, that I keep in mind is like entering into these spaces, like I need to be eager to learn um, about this place that I'm entering and eager to learn from the people that I'm gonna be like talking to and, and engaging with. And so I remember like, I read a book a long time ago. So forgive me because I definitely don't remember the details, <laughs> um, but the gist of it, of the section that like really stuck with me was uh, that there was a community in Peru who had a specific word that they used when they needed, when they kind of like needed everyone to, to drop what they were doing um, so that they could get something done, to like come together and get something done. Um, and so the author talked about how he couldn't really translate that to English because there wasn't necessarily a word in the English language that meant quite the same thing that that, that word in Spanish um, like carried. And, and so I feel like that was one of 
the moments where I first became really interested and in, in learning about the differences between cultures and how language can reflect those differences and how language conveys the values that, that people have. Uh, which honestly, I think is probably one of the main reasons that I ended up studying Spanish and Portuguese once I got here. Um, but yeah, so then when I think about entering new spaces and cultures, I, I keep that kind of in mind, like that awareness of how different people can be and how much I have to learn from others, which really is no less true for Princeton because I think with all of our lingo and weird words that we make up, it's almost like learning a new language. Um, but, and I'm also, and then there's like the, the big differences between here and, and just kind of like the, the community that I come from. But I, I, I don't think I was wrong in being excited about that change because I, I've definitely had a lot of fun, fun and, and gotten to have a lot of really cool experiences. And I think I really have learned something new from everyone that I've met here. Um, but I think, yeah, I'm really grateful for, for that. And, and the fact that that was my experience is stressful and, and all of those things that Princeton can be. Um, but I think the way that I just approach the world is that it's just too big <laughs> and life is way too short for me to waste any time and for me to take myself too seriously. And so any opportunity that I get to do something new and different, I, I take it because my personality is very much so like, let's go, like, let's do it. What's next? Um, and Princeton gave me a lot of opportunities to, to do exactly that. Um, and it, it's from like so many things, like from the little to, to the big things, whether it's like going to Taco Bell at one in the morning with my friends or taking a road trip to a different state over break or taking cello lessons because they were being offered for free. Like there were just, I, I just want to try a little bit of everything and I want to do it all. And, and I think I really try to make that a focus of, of my time here. And, and it's something that I aim to do once I leave this place as well. Late night Taco Bell trip. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially during the middle of like prepping for Dean's Day and reading period where we just really need a break. <laughs> that, was, that was kind of our go-to. Uh, you know, one of your fellow classmates who wrote a letter on your behalf to the Glickman Prize Committee mentioned you planning road trips. So I'm just curious, like, where where have you planned trips to and how did you go about that planning process? Yes, um, I think one of the first ones was it was it was one of the first ones. It was also one of the shorter ones for good reason. Um, but over fall break junior year. Yeah, I think it was fall break junior year. We decided to go to upstate New York. And it wasn't going to be a road trip at first. At first, we just kind of wanted to find an Airbnb somewhere nearby just to kind of get off campus and spend a couple of days just like hanging out um, and, and de-stressing from the semester. Uh, but we found a really cool Airbnb. And we're like, yeah, this is the one. Like, this is where we want to be. And then realized that it was a whole three hours away. Um, and I hadn't been driving for super long. Like I just got in my license recently and I also didn't get to drive a whole lot here on campus because I didn't have a car, but we decided we we're just gonna go for it anyway. <laughs> um, and it was only, it was three hours. So we we're like, it's kind of long, but it's still manageable. Like we'll be fine. And so we ended up renting a car with like the enterprise car share system that we have on campus. Um, and we made a grocery list because the cabin was like, it was like near a lake, but it was kind of in the, also in the middle of nowhere. And so we made a grocery list, um, rented the car, 
stop by the store and then just kind of hold up in, in the cabin for a couple of days. Um, and that was really fun. But yeah, I mean, planning, <laughs> planning looks like a lot of different things depending, I think, on, on the time of year or how stressed stressed out we are because sometimes it's really like down to the dot like yes this is what we're doing this is where we're stopping these are the places that we're seeing and sometimes it's like okay we got the car we got the airbnb we'll figure out the rest once we get there <laughs> um i guess the last thing i kind of wanted to ask you about was you know if, if you if there's a a story or a moment um, experience of your time at Princeton that sticks out to you as sort of indicative of what it's like to be a student at Princeton? Um, I think everybody's, you know, who doesn't go here, just, they're just curious, you know, what's it like to be a student at that institution? Well, picking one is hard. Also, I feel like the experience is so varied that finding one thing that encapsulate, encapsulates it all is difficult. Um, Okay, I think one that I, I feel kind of um, contains a little bit of everything was last spring, um, right around final, um, because that I had a, planned a trip with, with my friends like after finals and like before we all had to leave campus um, to go to Miami. But like I still like my finals ended pretty much like the night before we were supposed to leave. And so in the span of those 24 hours, I crammed for I don't know how long, stayed up ridiculously late trying to finish repairing and then took my exam <laughs> the next day, went back to my room to just pack my bag, get ready, <laughs> met up with my friends and then went to the airport to, to go to Miami. And so there was just such a like duality of like one day I was like locked up in my room just studying. And then 24 hours later, I was driving to Miami, like getting ready to go to the beach. And it was just like such a rapid flip. Um, but I think that's kind of how it is here sometimes. Or like sometimes you're like studying really hard and that's like all that you've been doing for a couple of days and working on papers and working on assignments and other times you're just doing something super fun and having a great time with your friends um and sometimes they overlap when you're procrastinating but a lot of the times it doesn't <laughs> um but i think that was one where yeah it, it was it was a really great time it was a very stressful time as well and i feel like that's kind of indicative of my time here it's been fantastic and also incredibly stressful <laughs> but good overall. Well, Karina, it was wonderful to get to spend a little time with you. Um, you know, I can say and speak on behalf of the entire Glickman committee that we're thrilled. We're so happy um, that you chose to come to Princeton and that you made such an amazing contribution to so many lives while you were here. So thank you so much. And um, we look forward to hearing what, what comes next for you. Thank you. And thank you all. I'm incredibly honored by this. And it's, it's been great to talk to you all. You've been listening to Let's Talk About, a production of the Pace Center for Civic Engagement. This podcast is intended to be informational only and does not reflect nor represent the views of Princeton University or the Pace Center for Civic Engagement.